Morning, everybody. That's good, isn't it? We love hots. We love helping hands. We love the love the kids' work. All right. There's some some great stuff going on here. Um, so, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Keith, one of the one of the leaders here. Um, I'm going to talk today about um, extravagant, was it, abundant generosity because we've got a month when we've sort of focused on how can we be generous, and that is really what Jesus is like. Yeah, it's what God is like. So, how can we get more like Him? And um, I spoke to Jan this morning, and she, she, I told her I was doing this. I told her previously, and she said, oh, I could have done that. And she's right, actually, because in our household, you know, Jesus says, do not worry about, what you, about money. I do the worrying, whereas she does the generosity bit. There was, there was one time, she reminded me of, that um, we went to buy a car, and, and the, the, I was negotiating the price for the car. It was a private sale. With the guy, and he, was, he, was, he accepted it. He accepted what I said, and she said, "No, you've got to pay more than that. You know, he's got a young family. We've got to look after him. So, so never, never take my wife <laughs> to buy a car because it will cost you more. All right? So, so, um, so the the guy was really chuffed. But um, so that's that's generosity. Um, good, good, good. So I wanted to, uh, we're going to look at a passage from John's Gospel, and it's about a party. And um, have you ever, you can put the next one up, please. There's, have you ever been to a party where things have gone really wrong? Yeah? You know, like, like only fools and horses up there, or in Friends. You know, dressed up in the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, and the, the, you know, it's just been a total, total disaster. Um, I've been to some good parties. I've been to one or two like that, actually, where, <laughs> where things got a bit, <laughs> a bit hairy and a bit embarrassing. But um, you know, Eric had his uh, had his um, birthday celebration um, a couple of three weeks ago, and that was a great time. Yeah, we went, we we all got together. You know, we met people from different different parts of the country and, and all around all around the place, and. Um, you know, we had a great time. So we're going to look at, at a party to start with, but it's a party with, with a difference. Um, and we're going to look at it from um, uh, John's Gospel. So if you've got a Bible or one of these or, a, or your phone, <laughs> or it'll come up there if you, if you like. And uh, I just want to read this, this passage from John 12, and it's verses 1 to 8. <coughs> Sorry. I'll go get these. Sorry. Um, Okay, John 12 and and verses 1 to 8. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour, and Martha served, she always does, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a litre of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. (coughs) And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wouldn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, because he was, a, th- because he was a, th- a thief as keeper of the money bag. 
He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And um, that's a, uh, an, an episode. Uh, it's set in, in a place called Bethany, which is a few miles from Jerusalem. Um, it's about six days before the Passover, which is the point at which Jesus was, was crucified. So it's really a, a celebratory um, time. And um, uh, he was in the house of, um, of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And uh, so there's two sisters who looked after their, their brother. Bethany is called, the, the name stands for the house of the poor. And um, it's, it's some, some, some commentators have thought that actually two, two sisters looking after their brother and Lazarus never spoke that he might have been um, slightly disabled. He might have been, to the rest of the world, quite um, valueless. But to Jesus, he had incredible value. The whole family had incredible value. Those two sisters had shown incredible generosity, if that's the case. And I'm not saying it is, I'm just surmising. That he, um, that they looked after him, and they certainly did look after him. So... You know, there's generosity shown already in that, in that place. And a, and a few days before, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And it says Jesus was there as a, as a sort of guest of honor to this, to the, in the village. And Lazarus was there, who must have been a sort of a focus of attention and of attraction to people. And the, um, it was a bit like um, Eric invited lots of people to his, to his party. This was a public event. It wasn't a private in their house event. It was like us saying to everyone in Chertsey, come to Pizza Express. It was, it was that sort of gathering. So there were people there. There was the family. There were other, other people from the town um, whose disciples were there. So it was a public gathering, which what a lot of the, the dinners were in, in that time. So they loved eating. So do we, don't we? Um, and uh, so there was, a lot, there was a lot of people there. And, um, and if you can imagine the scene, there was, there was people who had to prepare that. There were people who had to plan that. The people had to, um, to do something to make that happen, didn't they? And that's the same here. I, you know, I just want to commend those people who set things up here. There's an incredible amount of generosity, of time, and of skills, and of resources of people who go and set things up and plan things and make things happen. So this didn't just happen. People didn't, it wasn't a sort of bring your own food event. Somebody, somebody planned this. And then you get people like Martha, who's doing what Martha always does, which is to serve. And she was serving and, and all around um, doing, doing everything. And, um, and you, you, know, you can imagine the scene. There are people talking. They're talking about religion. They're talking about politics. They're talking about what the weather was like. They're, they're chatting, aren't they? There are people preparing the drinks. There's people preparing the food. It's, it's, it's all happening here. And it's a, you know, like at Eric's event, for, you know, for those of you who were, who were there, you know, it's a happy event. There were people just talking and communicating and, and speaking to, it, to each other. And then... <laughs> And then this, it, it, this thing happens. This thing happens. 
Martha's probably saying, as she always did, you know, where's Mary? You know, where's Mary? I'm doing all this work. Where's Mary? You know, where is she? And, and, you know, and suddenly Mary bursts onto the scene. And if you can imagine the sort of disruption that would have caused, we'll go into it in a bit, bit more detail, but the, the disruption that would have happened, the embarrassment that they would have felt at this, at this event. Because she comes in with a, I've got, I've got, I've got some here, all right? And I was looking for a volunteer to come and wash my feet in, in this, all right? They've got long hair, though. <laughs> so all the blokes go, <laughs> but I'll let you off, all right? But that's, that's half a litre of, of stuff, yeah? It, it, it's not, it's vinegar, actually, so um, just, just so in case you're worried, all right? Um, but that's half a litre. And if you, you imagine, normal perfume's about, about that size, isn't it? Yeah? But there was a lot, a lot of, of stuff um, that she came with. And she went and she, she poured it over his feet. Now, again, any volunteers to you know, take your shoes off and I'll pour this over your feet? No. no. <laughs> it will, it will. This will smell terrible. This will smell terrible. And, and she basically just, didn't she, came in, rushed in, went up to somebody and went, you know, went up to Jesus and poured, it's all right, I won't do it, <laughs> and poured this stuff all over his feet. In other, in other accounts, it says that she poured it over his head, you know, and, and um, you know, there's quite a lot of, lot of stuff there that would have, and it would have made a huge mess. Can you imagine somebody bursting into a party and just... Pouring stuff over over somebody, and they, you know, you, if it was me, I'd have gone, oh no 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 don't no don't 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 do that, you know, I'd have been really em- embarrassed by it. But Jesus seems to take it all in his stride. Um, that's going to smell, right? But um, and the point is, he says, um, that. That purse, it was perfume that she poured over his feet. And that perfume cost probably the equivalent today of about £25,000. It says it's worth a year's wages. A year's wages, and she poured it just like that. Yeah? That stuff comes from the Himalayas. The, the stuff that makes nard comes from the Himalayas, and it comes from about between uh, three and 5,000 metres above sea level, which is, you know, so to get it <laughs> is, is quite a job, yeah? To make half a litre of it is quite a job. And it was, it was worth in those, in those days. I mean, if she'd sold it on eBay, she'd have got about, you know, if you take an average wage here, um, about £25,000. Could have been even more. And she poured it over, over Jesus' feet and she wiped the feet with her, with her hair. And can you imagine the emotions around the place? People would have gone, oh, that's, you know, what's happening? What's, that's embarrassing. Mary would have probably, Martha, sorry, would have probably been livid with her sister for making a mess all over the floor. You know, and she's probably down there wiping it up. And there's other people going, we'll change the subject, we'll talk about something else, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll ease the atmosphere. 
But she'd ruined the atmosphere. She'd ruined what was a celebration and, and, and made it into something that was, that was um, a, a spectacle. And, and she'd done lots, lots of... Um, she'd made the equivalent of, of Dell and Rodney's, you know, faux pas of joining the, the party dressed as Batman and Robin. She'd made a social... In people's minds, a social faux pas. And then it says an incredible thing. It says the, um, the smell filled the house. The smell was amazing. And most people thought it was a, a crass thing to do. And there were two people in that room who knew it was a beautiful thing that she'd done. Yeah? Mary broke every rule in the book. She not only embarrassed herself and her family, she, um, she touched a man. That, that was like not done. No, no, no woman touched a man that she wasn't you know, married to. She let her hair down. You, talk, you know the expression, you let your hair down. She let her hair down. And again, that's, that's not done. You don't, you don't do that. She'd become the center of attention in the whole place. And women were very much in that society, you know, they're, they're behind the scenes. They're, 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 you know, they're seen but not heard. It's, um, we're not sort of um, recommending that approach here. But... Um, but she had, she had broken every, every social convention that there had been. And people were embarrassed. And, and yet it says, you know, the smell in the, in the house, the, the aroma of that perfume filled the house. There was beauty there. There was beauty there. And of all the things that Judas Iscariot, and, and I should say, Judas is just a, uh, in, this, in this instance, although John has got it in for him in this passage, in, in the verses from um, um, 4 to 6, um, although Judas is accredited with saying this, he was probably articulating what everyone else was saying. Yeah? So he was, he was what everyone else was thinking at that, at that time. And they could have picked Mary up on e any any of those social faux pas that she made could have picked, picked him up, picked her up on those. But they, he chose to pick her up on one, which is what a waste of money. What, you know, what a waste of money. He could, he could have criticized her for a religious you know, approach and what she did. But, he, but he, in effect, he and actually everyone else in the room, if, if, you, if you read the account in other, in other Gospels, it says, you know, the disciples generally felt, felt this. What a waste of money. And what that shows is that, it, and it's the same in our society today, isn't it? How big a deal money is. Yeah? How big a deal money is and how much it dominates our lives the, the biggest event you know politically is often the budget and, and we argue about whether we should pay nicks or or not and who should pay it um, so the you know the the EU arguments that we had often were about 
whether we'd be better off with this or that. And, you know, you get figures bounded around. And money, and, and when we're talking about generosity, it does involve time, it does involve our skills, but mo- quite often, most often, it involves our money. Yeah? And when we talk about money, people go, yeah? It's like, talk, it's like well, we shouldn't talk about that. It's, it's a, a taboo um, subject. It's something that we, we don't talk about, do we? You know, we don't talk about what we earn or what we give or what, whatever. And some of that's right, okay? But, but it, we, we sort of have a sort of reaction to it. And because um, and it, it dominates a lot of the way we go about stuff. Whether you've got it or not, yeah? And, and I'm, you know, I've been one of those who, who has never had enough. Are you, are you like that? You know, no matter what you have, it's never enough. And, and that just shows again how dominant it is. And I just want us today to get free. Get free from, from it. Because money is our servant, not we're its servants. It doesn't control what we do. The Archbishop of Canterbury um, has written, uh, Justin Welby, has written a book. He's only written one book, and he's written it this year. And um, it's called um, Dethroning, Dethroning Mammon. And so and he's, he's a, um, before he was an archbishop or even a, a vicar, <laughs> he was um, a finance director of a large oil company. So he sort of knows what he's talking about. And um, he, uh, and I'd, I'd recommend the book. You won't agree with everything in it, but I would recommend it. It's a, it's a little little book um, called Dethroning Mammon and it talks about the challenge it's a challenge to this prevailing culture that money is, is the root of, of everything we do and it controls. He, he lists three things about, about sort of money and possessions. He says um, we only value what we can see and what we can measure and money's quite easy to see and to measure, isn't it? Everything we do is measured by, by GDP, by household income, by um, how much that costs, etc., etc. And and therefore we value the things that we see. We're, we're very, you know, because because trying trying to put a value on some things is really really hard. So how do you put a value on on faith? How do you put a value on hope how do you put a value on love and the bible says that those are the things that remain so why on earth aren't we putting a value on them you know that those that those things remain what about people who volunteer who do stuff for nothing uh, how much are they valued all the people around here who volunteer you are fantastic yeah there are people here who volunteer and pretty well everyone in this room volunteers at something. And I just want to say, you are valued whether you're paid or whether you're not. Yeah? The work you do is no different value. Your, your presence there is of no different value. What about people who pray? You know, we, there's some people who've, who've died recently. A couple of years ago, Carol Milton died. Um, recently at Christmas, Ted and Daphne died. Would you rather have their money or their prayers? I would have rather had their, their prayers. 
And we've got to get out of the view that just because we can measure it, it has value. That just because we, you know, it has a, a price tag on it, that it has value. Because what you do, uh, motivated by faith and hope and love, that are those things that remain forever are, are crucially, crucially important. They're what Jesus um, values. They're what God, God values. The other thing is that what we measure controls us. But what we measure is only half the story. So if we put a, a financial value on something, we're not, we're not looking at the whole story. There was a guy, I, when I did um, sort of management uh, degree, they, 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 the guy called Deming, um, who's an American, or was an American um, managing consultant and engineer, he said the most important things that any, any company needs to know are the unknowable and the unmeasurables. Because what you measure is only half the story. So, but if you're controlled by only half the story, then you're not going to get the whole story, are you? You're not going to get the whole, the whole picture. So that's, that's the second thing. And the, the third thing is that what we have, we hold on to. That what we have, this is, this, I'm talking about Justin Welby's book here, what we have, we hold on to. We don't let it go. Um, even if we let it go, we don't let it go. We think it's ours. And I've got a big shop for you. It's not yours. It's, it's God's. Yeah, it doesn't belong to you. What you have does not belong to you. Sorry. All right? What you have belongs to God. He created it. He, he created the means for you to do it. He created the skills that you have to, to work and what have you. It's not yours. We are stewards. We are stewards of what we've been given, whether that's a skill or money or um, you know, ability. We are stewards of, of, of that. And uh, the trouble is, what we, get, what we get, we hold on to. So, for example, um, Jan, my wife, gave, we gave Johnny, uh, our son, and we gave our daughter as well, that some, some money from her dad's estate. And um, Johnny, my son, came, came to us. We gave it to them to sort of help them, you know, they could buy things for the house, might be. And Johnny goes, um, thanks for that, I've just given it away. <laughs> so I felt led to give it away. And I commend him for that, yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> I went... We give it to you to use for, for that, that, and that, and that, and that. But you've just given it away. <laughs> and I was displaying that attitude that says, money that I have, the things I have, I own. And even if I give it to you, I own it. Even if I pay in taxes, I own it. Even if I give it to the church, I own it. And you don't. All right? You don't. Because everything is given to us in trust. We are stewards of what our great Father God um, gives to us. Jesus says in, in verse 7 of this passage, he says, leave her alone. There were two people in that room who knew what was going on. Everyone else was fixated on the money. There were two people who knew what was going on. And we're going to work out quickly what, um, what, what was going on. 
First he says, that money, that, that, um, that ointment was intended for my burial. So he's looking forward to his, his uh, I mean, he's looking forward. I'm not sure he's looking forward, but he's, he's, <laughs> he's projecting forward to that, to that crucifixion that will happen in a few days' time. He knows about it, and Mary prophetically knows about it. Yeah? So prophetically, she said, I need to anoint him for burial. I won't have time afterwards. We'll do it now. In effect, that's what she's, that's what she's saying. And, um, and with that, with that crucifixion, with that death of Jesus on the cross, everything changes. Everything changes. That, that changes our position with the Father. It gives us access. Um, it changes the, uh, if you like, all the enemies. We talked, we sang, those songs were great, by the way, Jen, um, earlier on. The, um, we sang about, you know, who can stop the, our, our God? Who, you know, he, he defeats all those enemies. He, all those enemies, all those things that, that could seek to control you and seek to divert you off into other channels that aren't about, about God and aren't about Jesus. Those things were defeated at the cross. They were totally, utterly defeated. And can you imagine the shock on the face of, let's personalize um, fear. Let's personalize um, you know, things that destroy us, illness. Can you imagine the look on their face when they thought they'd won the victory over Jesus? Can you think of death? had thought he'd won the victory over Jesus when he died and when he rose to them again. The shock was, you know, that, that what seemed to be defeat at that cross was victory. It was victory. It was victory for you and for me. It was victory over everything that seeks to bind us, everything that seeks to hold you, everything that seeks to control you and keep you pressed down was defeated at the cross. The cross changes everything. I mean, that's a subject for another, another session and a, and a whole book. <laughs> and, you know, but we can't stop um, pressing home and saying how important that cross of Jesus Christ is to our life and to our freedom. That is the route through which we are free, the route through which we are, we are made whole. There are two things in particular. One was the control of money, the control of fear of, of not having enough um, on, on them. The, the other one was the fear of death was taken away. Mary also got that Jesus had overcome death because a few days before she'd raised her, his, her brother from, from death. So she knew it wasn't just about crucifixion it was about resurrection as well and those things um, create our freedom and Jesus said to actually to Martha he'd said I am the resurrection and the life yeah I am the resurrection and the life so she came to him knowing the cross was there she knew that the the resurrection was there you know prophetically seeing it. in fact she didn't prophetically see the resurrection she'd seen the resurrection happen the week before
there's no need for us to live as orphans. She realized that as well, that she was actually a daughter. So we're sons and daughters of the living God. We don't have to live as orphans. Orphans don't have a father to go to. They don't have a father to go to to ask for things. Sons and daughters have a father to go to to ask for things. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He, 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 he's been away from his father. He said, my, I, I'll go back to my father because he, at least he can provide something for me. His expectations were down here. Actually, what he received was up here. And often we can live as sons, as orphans. Yeah? We don't recognize we, can go, we have a father who can provide for us. And we go with a very low expectation of what he can provide for us. But I want to tell you, he is an extravagant, extremely, um, abundantly um, extravagant God and Father who can do far more than we can ever think or imagine. And that's, that's the dad we have. That's the dad we have. But this, is not, this isn't a, a prosperity gospel, right? Because sometimes we think... This is all for our benefit. I can go to him and ask for anything. But the reason it's not a prosperity gospel that I'm talking about is that, is that um, it's all about him. Like I said earlier, he owns it all. It's all about him. And some of the, um, uh, some of the things he... Um, some of the things he... he <laughs> Some of the statements he made, for example, um, you'll always have the poor amongst you, but you won't always have me, could be regarded as slightly arrogant. Yeah? That why, could, why should you care about the poor when I'm here? But that's not the sense in which it's given. In Deuteronomy, and I think I've got a passage on Deuteronomy, Peter, um, he talks about looking after the poor. He says, you'll always have them amongst you, so you need to look after them. So there's no either or here. It's at this point, Jesus is saying, you won't always have me here, here and you need to sort of um, worship me. You need to sort of worship me at this point in, in time. Um, you'll still have the poor, so you, don't, you must look after the poor, Megan. All right? You know, and, and everyone here. We must do. It's not incompatible with... with um, are, are giving to Jesus. Because all that we have is his. What Mary realized was she was talking to the Lord of the universe. She was talking to the God who created everything. She was talking to um, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's what she'd realized that everyone else hadn't that she was talking to God who created the whole cosmos and who is now Lord of the whole cosmos, the whole of created uh, the creation. And therefore, A, there's two things there. One is it's not, it isn't ours, what we have, because it's all been created and we, we take it from that. The second is that he can provide. Mary, to be honest, was not bothered about the cost of the perfume. Because if God wanted to replace that perfume, then I'm sure he could find galaxies far away where he could bring all, that, all the nard that we need. 
Yeah? And that needs to be our mindset, that our God has an abundance. There's a whole creation out there that he can bring stuff from. Because what we do when we, put, when we, when we say um, we worry about money, we wor- what we're worrying about is there's not enough. We're worried about it being scarce. We're worried about the resources available to us being in a, in a confined box and have to be shared out to everyone. What God talks about is an abundance is a, um, is, a, is a limitless, and if you look at our universe, it is limitless, of abundance. So he's, his view is one of abundance. Our view is one of scarcity. And we think things are scarce, so we try and hold on to them, don't we? We try and manage them. We try and um, control them. And he's um, inviting us. Um, he's actually inviting us not to worry. That's what he's saying to us. And in other passages, he's saying, do not worry. Do not worry. Because all this is true. All this is true. You know, I am the Lord. I can raise, you know, I give you life. I am, I am Lord of all. So don't worry. Now, I do that. I worry all the time but, uh, about money. But Jan helps me to not to worry quite so much. Um, predominantly, this was an act of worship by, Je- by Mary. She really got those, those verses from um, when I survey the wondrous cross, which I've got here. Um, it says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, but poor contempt on all my pride. And were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And what Mary had done was to, to say, I'm not worried about the cost of this. You know, you, you are worth so much more than even the cost of that nard. You are worth far more than £25,000. Um, you know, you are, you are the, my provider. You are the one who gives me everything. And, the, and, and when it says, demands my soul, my life, my all, you know, that's what she got. That's what she, she understood um, as, as happening. And she understood who Jesus was and nothing and no one was going to get in the way. No, no family were going to get in the way. No neighbours were going to get in the way. No cost was going to get in the way of her getting to Jesus. That was, there was no, um, no element where um, th- those things would get in the way of her coming to her Lord and her Master. And that love that she exhibited, that worship she exhibited, really just reflects um, God's love, doesn't it? Yeah. So that this the picture here is one that is reflecting the love and the extravagant um, generosity of God in giving His Son that we might be free. So, so all we're doing when we give and when we're generous with our time and our skills is that we're just reflecting our Father. We're just reflecting what God is like, that he is um, our, our, our Saviour and our Lord, and he is our provider, and everything is through him and for him. Again, I'll just go back to the, to the prodigal son. He, 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 um, he said, I'm living in a pigsty, my father has something. I'll go and work for him. You know, perhaps I'll earn something there. But when he went back to his father, 
So he recognized that his father could give him something, yeah, could help him out of his situation. But he had a very low expectation of what that could be. I'll go and work. I'll go and earn it. But he got back to his father. And I think as Jan said earlier on, you know, his father ran to him and put his arms around him and enveloped him and had a party for him and put, thing, you know, put a crown on his head and, and just embraced him as being his son. And so let's not live like Judas did as, a, as an orphan. Let's live as, as sons. And let's not live as sons who are orphans. But let's live as sons because we have an abundant, extravagant God that we serve. It is for his glory that we, that we get all this stuff. There's a saying that says what God um, orders, he pays for. When I go into a restaurant, I order something, I pay for it. God's no different. If he says do something, he'll pay for it. And I just want to sort of encourage us to live in the good of that extravagant um, heavenly father that we serve and that, that, we, uh, that we can love. And as we've sang earlier on, you know, let's open our hearts to him. Uh, he's, he's defeated all those enemies that come against us, including money, including fear of not having enough. And he's, um, and he's set our feet on a rock and we can look to him to be our provider and our, our, um, our, our Lord.